everyone and welcome to another episode of Adam Talks. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney, founder of Irie Financial. On today's episode, new RMD proposed regulations. Oh my God. Believe it or not, the IRS found a way to take a pretty straightforward required minimum distribution regime and make it even more complicated. Hard to believe. So just to step back, if you turned 72 before 2019, the old requirement and distribution regime you were under, which was basically a life expectancy, you take out about 3% a year uh, until you die, that regime is still in place. You're still in that system. Okay. And if you didn't elect into that system, you generally would have five years to pull it all out. Okay. That was okay. Pretty simple. There was an annoying formula. Uh, each year you had to do a formula, which basically took your life expectancy and then multiplied it by the value of your IRA or 401k. And then you would be able to take out your RMD before 1231 and then put it on your tax return. The SECURE Act came out in 2019, you know, added uh, a bit of a wrinkle to that and essentially said this. If you turn 72, the RMD went from 70 and a half to 72, the required minimum distribution age. If you're 72, and you die, your, your spouse can always take the IRA and put it into his or her name. And that rule still applies today. It will apply under the new RMD rules and it applied under the old pre-secure act. So most common approach is when you die, your spouse, your husband and wife would take the IRA or 401k and just put it into their name. So if the husband dies with an IRA, the wife would just put the IRA in his or her name. And then if the wife in this case was under the age of 72, there'd be no RMDs until the wife turned 72. And that's generally the more common approach. The same rules apply today. And if the new RMD rules kick in, if the husband or wife dies, the surviving spouse would just put the IRA in his or her name. And then based off their age, they would be able to take those funds out. Okay. So that rule still applies. The rules with Roth IRAs um, are somewhat different too. The SECURE Act now, if you pass away, your surviving spouse will have the IRA, the Roth, excuse me, in their name. There's no RMDs, okay? But if it goes to a non-spouse, then there's a 10-year rule. And that's how the SECURE Act changes it from previous RMD regimes where it was a life expectancy regime um, in the case of non-spouses, they'd have a longer period of time to stretch out that Roth IRA. Even though it's not a taxable distribution, it would still need to be um, taken out as a distribution over a longer period of time, generally in 10 years. So Roth IRAs, again, just to confirm, and I'll get Roth IRAs out of the way quick because it's the easier part of this. Spouse dies, surviving spouse puts the Roth IRA in their name, no RMDs. Once it goes to a non-spouse, 10 years to pull it out, no tax. It doesn't have to be pro rata. It's just by the end of year 10, all the money has to come out. So now let's get into the complexities of these rules. So on February 24, 2022, Treasury and the Internal Revenue Service published proposed regs. Comments are still um, available. So if you have issues after listening or watching this podcast, you know, feel free to reach out to the IRS and let them know. Um, but they basically reflect amendments in the SECURE Act made to uh, post-death RMDs after 2019. But 
like almost everything the government does, they make it more difficult and it's sometimes even more complex. So I'll go through the rules now and then kind of give you what my thoughts would be if I worked for the IRS. So as I mentioned, the SECURE Act basically played around and transformed the RMD regime and turned most everything into a 10-year rule for pulling fund out once it goes from a spouse to a non-spouse um, beneficiary. So now let's talk about what these proposed regs do. So number one, they designate and define what an eligible designated beneficiary is because there's rules for EDBs and non-EDBs. And when I say EDB, I mean an eligible designated beneficiary, which is a surviving spouse who is not electing to put the retirement account in their name, and a, a child before they reach the age of majority, which is 21, disabled, chronically ill, or not more than 10 years younger than the participant. Okay, so if you're an EDB, you're going to have certain rules that apply to non-EDBs. So let's break it down. The new RMD rules and the retirement account participant or IRA owner dies after the age of 72. So let's say they're 80 years old. Okay, if the beneficiary is a non-EDB, right? So it's a non-surviving spouse. Um, well, it's, it's someone who hasn't elected. Uh, it's not someone under 21. Um, not chronically ill, not disabled. Let's say the um, you know the surviving spouse has it in, in their name, for example. So RMD rules and death after 72. If you're not an EDB, basically the new rules say that you take an annual RMD over a 10-year period, and whatever's left, you have to take out after at your 10. So this was this is actually a big, big change from what people thought the Secure Act said. People thought, including myself, thought the Secure Act said that you have 10 years to pull the money out. So if someone dies over the age of 72 with an IRA or 401k, and it's going to a non-EDB, then we thought it was 10 years. So you can take it out all in year 10. You don't have to take it out year by year by year. The new rules say, no, it's pro-rata each year and whatever's left after year 10. So this is actually a quite controversial change. Now, what happens if the beneficiary is an EDB, like a... a well, I'll break it down actually to children and someone who's disabled or a surviving spouse that doesn't make the election to have the IRA in their name. If the beneficiary is an EDB and the, again, the retirement account deceased is over the age of 72, the EDB would need to take into income annual under the at least as rapidly rule using the longer of the deceased retirement account owner or their life expectancy. So basically after a reti retirement account owner's death, Distributions would continue at least the age using the longer of the deceased retirement account's life expectancy or the EDB's life expectancy. And then once the EDB dies, let's say the disabled uh, individual, then it's 10 years from that person's death. So in other words, distributions must last over the longer of the deceased retirement accounters, retirement account owners, life expectancy or the EDB's remaining life expectancy. But all amounts must be fully distributed by the end of the 10th year anniversary of the EDB's death, or if the EDB is older than the deceased, then end of the year in which the EDB's life expectancy would be equal to less than one of the life expectancy of used in that distribution period. I know, super confusing. Forget about that. Basically, this is what you need to remember. If the beneficiary is an EDB, and someone dies over the age of 72, 
Okay. Um, you need to basically, if they're not a child, the distributions again are the longer of the remaining life expectancy of the deceased or the EDB's remaining life expectancy, but everything must be fully distributed by the 10th year of the EDB's death. So let's say the disabled person's death. If the EDB is a child, minor child, the distributions must continue over the longer of the employee's remaining life expectancy and the EDB's remaining life expectancy. But again, all amounts must be fully distributed. The earlier, the end of the year, the ADB attains the age of 31, so it's 10 years, or the end of the year containing the 10th anniversary of the EDB's death. So it's a little bit different if there is a minor child, because you can use the longer of the deceased remaining life expectancy and the EDB's remaining life expectancy, but everything must be basically taken out in 10 years, um, which is um, a little bit unlike the previous where if it's a non-child, everything must be taken out of the 10th anniversary of the EDB's death, which is different than um, age of 31. So that's the distinction between a child and someone who's not a child, but an el eligible designated beneficiary. I know, stupid, super confusing. Why didn't they just say this? 10 years, right? So if you're an EDB, and again, I, I'm not saying 10 years works uh, or life expectancy works better, but since we're going after the SECURE Act, why don't you just say this? Someone dies, it's not a surviving spouse, 10 years. If it's a child, 10 years from when they hit 21. That's it. How hard is that? I can write those regulations in literally one paragraph. I don't know why you need hundreds of pages to do that. Anyways, I'll get it even, let's add some more complexity. What happens if the deceased dies before the age of 72 and the beneficiary is not an EDB? Okay, then it's a 10 year rule, no stretch. Basically, you have to take distributions and after year 10, everything has to be gone. Um, the 10 year rule applies, no distributions are required until 10th year. So you can do your one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, or you can take it all out at year 10. That is only if the beneficiary is under the age of 72. If they're over 72, distributions need to be every year, and the rest needs to be taken out, whatever's remaining, at year 10. And that's if they're over 72 and there's beneficiaries not an EDB. If the beneficiary is an EDB, here we go again, more fun. Okay. So if it's a if the designated beneficiary is an EDB who's not a child, 10-year rule, no distributions required until the end of the year containing the 10th anniversary of the uh, deceased death. So this is the 10-year rule, or you can stretch it over the EDB's life. Again, so you have a little bit more flexibility if the person that died is under the age of 72, 10 years, or you can stretch it out over the EDB's life. If the EDB is a child, then you get the 10-year rule. Okay, or you can stretch it out again over the EDV's life, um, but all amounts must be fully distributed by earlier EDB hitting 31 um, or 10th uh, year anniversary of the EDB's death. So again, it's kind of like a 10 year, if it's a child, if it's a non-child, you have, um, you can stretch it out basically uh, until it's distributed um, containing the 10th anniversary of the EDB's death. So you can stretch it out much longer than if it was a child. I don't understand it. I don't know why there's distinctions between 
a child who's an EDB and a non-EDB, like a, a disabled child or, or a, a spouse that doesn't elect to take the IRA in their own name. I don't understand it. I think it's super confusing. And then here's another wrinkle. If it's a trust, it's a five-year rule, okay? So um, whatever. Um, yeah, it, I, as a tax lawyer, it always just irks me when I, when I read regulations and I just don't understand because the people are treasuring the IRS. A lot of them are lawyers that are writing this stuff. And I'm not saying they're not smart. Uh, they certainly are smart. They understand these sections of the code, but it took them two years over, almost two and a half years to write these regulations. And they made it even more complicated, right? All they had to say is, listen, if it's a non-surviving spouse, inherited IRA, it's 10 years. If they're under 21, it's 10 years from they hit 21. That's it. Pretty simple. Uh, I think everyone would understand that if it's a Roth IRA, non-spouse, 10 years to take it all out. Why don't you give the individual the opportunity to decide when they want to take it out, but everything needs to be distributed by year 10. Um, another rule is that if you are a surviving spouse, you have to now elect to take the retirement account into your name. Okay, so that's a little bit different before you had a long time to do it. Now you essentially have uh, a year or so to make that election. It's one year from the calendar year in which, the, uh, in which they attain age 72 and the end of the calendar year following the calendar year of the IRA owner's death. Okay, so it's not an or, it's an and. So you, you, there is a timeline on when you can make the election. Again, it's the later of when they hit 72 or a year uh, of death. Okay. Whereas before you didn't have those uh, limitations. Also, if there's multiple beneficiaries, so let's say someone passes, there's multiple beneficiaries, multiple people, different ages. Under the pros regs, uh, an employee that has more than one beneficiary, uh, a deceased uh, retirement account holder, the features of the oldest beneficiary determines the, the, top, the denominator for the RMD. And whether, um, and whether full descriptions are required under the 10-year rule. So you're looking at the oldest um, beneficiary. So if multiple designated beneficiaries and it's not an EDB, the, the deceased is treated as not having any EDB. So um, it's something to consider. Uh, and again, even if one or more of the older beneficiaries is an EDB. If any of the multiple designated beneficiaries is not an EDB, then the retirement holder is treated as not having EDB, even if one or more of the other beneficiaries is an EDB. So um, all this, I know it's super confusing, but let me just simplify this and end with this. If you pass, you're most likely the surviving spouse is going to put the IRA in his or her name. If it's a Roth and it goes to a non-spouse, 10 years. If you are not, if you have a non-spouse, okay, then you have to decide if that person's an EDB. So disabled, chronically ill, or not more than 10 years younger than the participant, okay, or the deceased. So someone dies, they're 75, and the spouse is 70, 69, 68, it's less than 10 years. They're technically an EDB. So if the surviving spouse elects to take the IRA and has her name, great. If they don't, they are an EDB. And then you got to follow the rules and look at whether the deceased is older or younger than 72. Um, if they're older than 72, again, it's 10 years. Um, and if it's not an EDB, 10 years um, distributions each year, everything needs to be taken at year 10. If it is a EDB, then there's um, certain rules, again, child or non-child, 
If it's a non-child, you can stretch over the EDB's life expectancies, but all amounts must be taken um, by the end of the year containing the 10th anniversary of the EDB's death. If it's a child, it's basically 10 years when they hit 31, 10 years from the 20, from the, when they reach 21. If the person dies before or is before 72, um, then there's different rules. Um, if it's a non-EDB, it's 10 years. Everything must be taken at year 10, no pro rata. And then if it's a child, it's, it's basically by turning 31, non-child, then it's, um, you basically have 10-year rule and uh, you have until 10 years of the um, deceased death. So you have that 10-year rule, or you can do a little stretch if you'd like and, and stretch it over 10th year of the EDB's um, death. So you have... Um, you know, a little bit of time there. Again, sorry to make this super complicated. It wasn't my intention. I didn't create this stuff. Um, again, if it was up to me, it's funny, I had a talk with a colleague of mine and just like, I don't understand this. This is so stupid. The SECURE Act was supposed to make things easier. And now these proposed regs just made everything way more difficult. Why not just do 10 years? Um, forget EDBs. Just have if someone's under 21, it's 10 years from when they hit 21 someone's disabled or they're 10 years younger or older, who cares? It's 10 years um, if, if they don't put the IRA in their name. If it's a Roth non-spouse 10 years, um, forget about pro rata each year. Why make the calculations complicated? Just tell people they have 10 years to take all the money out and by year 10, it all has to be distributed. That would be easier. I think we'd all agree that that makes sense. I think that's what people thought the SECURE Act said uh, and what the intention was by the House and Ways and Means Committee, but looks like the IRS and Treasury have different ideas. Um, sorry, it's, it's just more layers of complexity. Now we each need a table to figure out, are you an EDB, what's your age, and then decide based off those two factors what you have to take up. I know, super confusing. Um, I've done my best, I've drafted a blog on this, you can check out that summarizes all this. I'll also publish a table um, on our website if you're uh, looking for it. Uh, info on the RMD world um, based off new proposed regs. These are not final, they're proposed. So maybe we um, all could send in public comments, letting them know that this is super complicated. Why don't you just stick with 10 years? Everyone will be um, more content with that. And uh, I think it will um, create less confusion. So sorry for making you feel like you're back in law school, or if you haven't gone to law school that you are in law school. That's not my intention. Uh, law school is actually not this complex. It's pretty simple. Uh, you just got to like basically um, review a lot of case law and, and just memorize cases and rulings. But this is more confusing. It shouldn't be. Um, hopefully, uh, public comments will um, reduce some of its complexity and just keep it a simple 10-year rule. Anyways, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you haven't subscribed, uh, subscribe. If you haven't given us a like, please do. Otherwise, um, check us out next week. Adam Talks drops every Wednesday. And I uh, appreciate you guys listening. Thanks uh, again and have a great week.